0: On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Ah! Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. And, of course, on your Super Talk Mississippi stations across the Magnolia State. Thank you for being with us, Richard Cross, Michael Borke, and Brian Haydad. It is rare that we have a leadoff hitter for the show, but that's what we've got today. We're going to start out on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team Mississippi Farm Bureau to the Lone Star State. We go. Mac Engel is a columnist at the Fort Worth Star Telegram. Always enjoy our conversations, and he's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us this afternoon. Mac, you've been covering sports in the the state of Texas, the the metroplex for a long time. You've seen stories of triumph and heartbreak and victory and defeat and I don't know, lots and lots and lots of other things. You got a really cool story to cover right now with this TCU football team that has continued to win. And they knock off Michigan last week. And now the TCU horn Frogs are playing for a national championship in football. It's
3: a little crazy. Oh, my God. It's insane. I, I mean, Richard, hey, thanks for having me on. It's always great to talk to you. And, B, I worked at TCU uh, as a graduate assistant in their what they used to call sports information office. Yeah, so I worked there for two years from '96 to '98, and I got a graduate degree from there. And I can't describe to you how bad one the athletic department was, and two how low the morale was then. So to see how all of this has vol how, how all of this has evolved from 1996, remember they were in the WAC then; <clears throat> they were in the 16-team WAC with Hawaii and Fresno State and New Mexico. <laughs> and Colorado State, and uh, SMU, and Rice. I mean, there's just all these teams. And uh, someone, I was talking to someone today who really nailed it. It was rinky dink, and we all knew it. I think that was the thing. We, we knew we were bad, and it was a we then. I worked for the school then. We knew we were bad. We knew we were a stock. We knew we were a joke. We knew we stunk, and we knew it. And in, in I, I was young then. I, I really worked hard, and I was trying to do you know, my job well because I wanted to move up. And uh, I, I knew, but I knew we were bad. I knew it. And so I've come at this from, from that perspective. And, uh, you know, for people who are, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe it that they've done this. Because, you know, as well as I do, college football is set up for the big power schools. And TCU has, a, has an undergraduate enrollment of about ten thousand five hundred. That's so a little bit smaller than Vanderbilt. It's a little bit bigger than Notre Dame, and they did it. I, I just the more I talk about it, the more I think about it, the more I'm just amazed that they did it. And I know I know I'm biased because the team's right down the street, and I've watched them for a long time. But I do think this they can beat Georgia. I don't know if they will. But I think they can play with them, and if you can play with them, you can beat them. And I I would – don't be surprised if they win this game. They can do it.
2: Mac, when divorces happen, there is – even when good divorces happen, there's some level of, of bad blood and, and a bad taste that is left in your mouth. And there were two divorces – that happened in a relatively short time with Chris Del Conte, the athletics director who was credited with doing so much for TCU Athletics, taking the job at Texas, and then Gary Patterson being ushered out, and then ultimately joining the staff at Texas. But I'm curious, even if there's some level of bad blood with those two people moving on to Austin, is there also some credit that goes to those two guys for laying the groundwork for making a season like this under Sonny Dykes possible?
3: I, I give him all the credit, for sure. I give Gary a lot of credit. I mean, you have to give him credit. You have to. You have to give Chris Del Conte credit. And, you know, the one thing when Chris left, I, I think it was disappointment. It was disappointment because they want the, the TCU people, and I'm sure you've seen it at Old Miss, when, um, what was that crook's name, Tuberville, left. You want to be the school where... Uh, you want to be at the, you want to be a destination job, and when someone leaves for Texas or any other job, but let's say let's just say in this case TCU for Texas, TCU fans, TCU alums, really the alums wanted to think no we're just as good as they are, and they might be, but Texas is is, is maybe the biggest brand in college college sports. If, if not, it's one of the top five. I'm talking brand. That's not just football. That's everything. And so they understood why he left. I think there was just disappointment. But he deserves a lot of credit for this, absolutely. Uh, He deserves a ton of credit because his ability to build relationships and fundraise is a big reason why TCU was in the position that it was in, uh, to be asked to join the Big 12. And this doesn't happen if if they're not asked to to join the Big 12 after Texas A&M went to the SEC, and certainly with Gary, you know, Gary, what Gary did in 20 years at TCU is historic, and I, I know it's bittersweet for him. I know it is, and it I know it's tough. It would be for anybody. You know, they, the place that you love, the place where you put your heart and soul into for 20 years, it's tough because they gave him an opportunity when nobody would have given him that opportunity. Nobody. And they did, and they allowed him to grow into the job, and because of that, it was a mutually beneficial relationship. Richard, and yeah. both parties thrived, and it was also time. It was apparent; it was time. And you know, just, you know, Richard, is, I like the guy. He's a weird guy, but a lot of coach, a lot of coaches are. <laughs> I like him, and, and I do feel bad for him in the sense that this should be his moment too, and it's, it is, but it's not. He's not the head coach anymore, and I know it's tough. You know, for Del Conte, he's been gone now for several years. um, But he should just – they all – anybody who helped lay a brick from the fall of 1998 on has – gets credit for this. Anybody. Athletic directors, associate ADs, coaches, assistant coaches, graduate assistants, players, they were all advancing the ball. And if someone had told you, Rich – Richard, it's crazy. TCU is in a national championship game <laughs> in football. Not baseball, right. not basketball, football. The biggest sport there is that powers college athletics. And TCU, a school of 10,500, that was nothing 20 years ago. Nah, go 23 years ago. is, is one game away from national championship. And, and at worst, at worst, we'll finish number two in the polls, for the second time since 2011. that's You know, Mac,
2: I I think people in Mississippi can relate because of what you just said a second ago. Uh, Mississippi State two years ago, Ole Miss last year, won a national championship in baseball, and it's unbelievable. And I can't imagine the way people would react if either of those two programs in the state in which we live got to this point where they were playing for a national title. We've only got two minutes left before the break. Let me ask you this. When did it change? When did people genuinely start to believe? I was looking back through the schedule. Okay, the, The win over Oklahoma, the win over Kansas, giving them the first loss of the season, the double overtime win over Oklahoma State, the mad scramble at the end of the Baylor game, finally getting respect from the playoff committee after going, well, we don't really like the way they're winning. When was it that TCU fans believed that something like this could actually happen?
3: Uh I think it was, it was an evolution. I, it really was an evolution when they because when they beat Oklahoma, we weren't sure how bad Oklahoma was. Yeah. that it was just an average team. I don't think anybody really knew then. But you, if you go back to that game, they pulled their starters. TCU pulled the starters in the third quarter. That's how bad that beating was. I think the one that and people would deny it, but I think the one where that convinced everybody that they could go to the the playoffs. The playoffs was when they beat Texas because. It wasn't that they just beat Texas. It was the way they beat Texas. You know, the final score was 17-10, to but really it was 17-3. to Texas didn't get 200 yards of offense that game. And TG's defense has been kind of middling. But they've made plays when they needed to play, when they needed them. They shut down B. John Robinson. Guy only had 28 yards on 12 carries. And really, the Texas offense only Texas offense only scored three points. They got a defensive touchdown. On a fumble return for a touchdown at the very, very end of the game that made it seventeen to ten. But Richard, in my mind, that's the game when everybody knew, oh my God, we might go to the playoffs, and that's what did it. They were a seven-point underdog, even though they're the fourth-ranked team in the country, and they went in and they manhandled UT on their home field. And so now, I'm after the way they beat Michigan. It's not that they beat Michigan; it was the way they beat Michigan. They ran the ball on them, and it's other than JJ McCarthy, they really. Their running backs didn't do that much damage. That's why it gives me. They, you know, Georgia's trying to go undefeated. That's really really hard. I think George is probably going to win, but don't be surprised if TC wins it.
2: It certainly is going to be a great scene, and it's coming up in uh, in just a few days, Monday night in Southern California. You going, Mac? You going to be there?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I am. I went to the Fiesta Bowl. That was one of the most enjoyable games I've ever watched in person, and uh, I'm excited to see it. This is, I mean, it's That's history. Awesome, man. No matter what happens, you've got a tiny little school plan, a blue-blood power like Georgia in the title game. And, you know, for so many of my friends, this means so much to them. I'm happy for them. And I I think it proves, well, there are Ole Miss fans, Mississippi State fans, anybody else like, well, they can do it, we can do it. Hell, yeah, you can.
2: Always enjoy the time, Mac. Thanks so much for uh, stopping in.
3: Anytime, Richard. Take
2: care. Mac Engel from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. I didn't get a chance to tell you right out of the gate that we're coming to you, as always, from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. If you want to be a part of the conversation, we'd love to hear from you on the C Spire text line, 601 879 4395. Want to give your business the edge? Get gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire business backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Seaspire country. Check them out online at seaspire.com slash business and see how they can help your business. Uh, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, always enjoy our conversations with Mac Engel. My favorite part of the entire conversation was when in the background I heard Brian Haydad going,
0: <laughs>
2: that was right after Mike Engel said, that criminal, you, uh, Tuberville.
1: Could you have made me sound any more like a pervert right there? <laughs> could, you, could you have made me sound any more like somebody who's like belongs with Chris Hansen when you made that particular impression of me? Could you have a seat over there. Well, I got a seat over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Could you know? I, I tried mean, to meet Chris I know I was Hansen laughing, so many times. Strange.
4: A friend of mine in college's dad was best friends with Chris Hansen in college. That Michigan State together. And every time there was a break, I was like, "Hey, can I stop through Birmingham? Can we meet Chris?" And never could. Mm. He, uh, I really. so sure that that don't really sure. You don't just as well, Borky. Oh, I'd have loved to have met yeah, Chris yeah. Hansen, man. He he was a an icon in the yeah. catching terrible people industry. He's a titan, and his he show was. got canceled because apparently uh, the right guy that they caught got the right lawyer and sued the show for making it look like they were guilty without the presumption of innocence or whatever. And so the show got canceled. I mean, come on. But anyway, yeah, Chris Hansen was
2: an icon. Um, no context, Borky. I tried to meet Chris Hansen so many times. <laughs> I, did. Yeah. I did. I did. I wanted to. I mean, he I was said, a journalism with
5: that school, mustache.
4: too. Yeah. And we had, uh, we, I had a professor spend a day, like, talking about that kind of uh, journalism and, and the good and the bad the, the the downside to it as well because you kind of insert emotions into covering something like that because of how anyway, it was a really good lesson and and I
2: found myself admiring the guy and I wanted to meet him, never could yeah uh Darren and Jackson says I won twelve hundred dollars on TCU youth sportsbook last week. I'm seriously thinking of putting that twelve hundred on them against Georgia. My concern yeah, are you with them the is that money line, because if you're money lining that, it's a little risky. And getting 13, I mean, I don't think that's a bad play at all.
4: Yeah, with the points, for sure. I, I worry about them being able to match up athletically with Georgia. I mean, it, don't, I, I love TCU's story, and, and I love the team and the way they play and their edge and their quarterback, and they absolutely belong where they are. What if those two pick sixes were just interceptions? Yeah. You know? I, I, I'm, I'm wondering but they if... But they weren't, and they won, and they deserve to win. They they absolutely belong on this stage. I sure think the difference might be at the end of this game, Georgia athletically will be ultimately overwhelming to, to TCU. I mean... And then you've got this magic with the mailman. I, I you, Trying to rationalize it is, is, is futile. You can't do it. Something about Stetson Bennett is just... Because it's not, it's not just, well, he's got players around him. Well, of course he does. If he was on Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt would still be terrible. But man, Richard, you mentioned it in our call two days ago. On that final touchdown drive, there was one throw that he made over the middle that was as tight of a window as you can imagine over a linebacker, underneath the safety, in a window that was almost the size of the football. Where you had to have it, if you don't score here, game's over, you lose, your season's over, your career's over, and he stands in the pocket and delivers a perfect football. It's things like that that, I mean, he's just got some kind of, and the stats people hate it, the analytics people hate talking about clutch because they think it's not real, Mailman's got something in him that just does things like that in that kind of spot. He does. He's limited physically. Are you saying he's got
1: that dog in him.
4: He's got that dog in him. He's limited physically. He's a he's a good enough runner and stuff, but you, the qualifiers exist because he's not a good athlete compared to like C.J. Stroud. But effective enough runner, he can move a little bit.
5: He can he run be a
2: better runner than C.J. Stroud. Mm. Did you see his touchdown run in that I, game? I saw it. Uh, I saw it.
4: I think he's more deceptive than he is actually like a great runner.
1: Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Deceptively athletic? Yes. Lunch pail guy. (laughs)
4: Gritty. He's he's short. He did not have a strong arm. Pretty accurate throwing the football, though. Seems to be pretty smart. And yet, when the lights are the brightest and when the pressure is the biggest... He'll make a play, kid. And And he he does.
2: does. Uh, Maybe we should say go make a play, sir, in the case of Setson Bennett. He's been at it for a while. It uh, it feels like almost it. as old as Borky.
4: You think Georgia's collective is just giving to his
2: 401k? Jeez. It's a de- deferred compensation. <laughs> yeah. he's, got, he's got an NIL deal with AARP. <laughs> mm. uh, so I I I started the conversation with Mac Engel a few minutes ago. And by the way, several of you have texted about Chad Bumpus. We're just not going to jump into that in the middle of a segment because it deserves its own segment. we got plenty to talk about with regard to the evolution of Mississippi State's coaching staff, the homecoming that is happening with part of Mississippi State's coaching staff. Hold that thought. We'll do it in the next segment. I do want to ask you this, though. So so I started, uh, you know, hey, Mac, you've covered a lot of stories. You've been around it for a long time. How cool is this story? How neat is this story And and he was speechless just for a second before he kind of launched into what TCU has been through. You you look at TCU's history, and and again, he he recognized some of this. In 1998, they transitioned to the Western Athletic Conference, played in the WAC for two years, Uh, for a few years. And then it was Conference USA, and then the Mountain West, and then the Big 12. But if I remember correctly, between the Mountain West and the Big 12, weren't they in the Big East for like two weeks or something? Or a couple of months? Something like that, yeah. There have been a lot of moves, and unlike a lot of programs that transition from one conference to another, TCU has steadily moved up in terms of going conference to conference. It hasn't been, we're just going to make a lateral move. They're they're helped by the fact that they're in the state of Texas. They are helped by the fact that they've had success at every step along the way. There have been a lot of really good... I mean, since 1999, they've won two WACs, a Conference USA, four Mountain Wests, and a couple of Big Twelves. Or one Big Twelve. I guess 2014 is the only year they actually won the Big Twelve. They did not win it this year. They lost to Kansas State in the championship game of the Big 12. So what about that comparison, right? We, we know how crazy excited people were for Mississippi State's national championship in baseball two years ago, Ole Miss's national championship in baseball this summer. Push that to Mississippi State or Ole Miss playing for a national title in football. Can, it's it, it's almost impossible to even quantify what that would feel like right here in the state of Mississippi. It'd
1: be a million times, a billion times more exciting. And did you?
4: One of the texters pointed it out. the The excitement in his voice. I mean, he works there. Obviously, he's got some emotional. It was legitimate. But yeah. I love that last line, and I'm going to use that for our teaser tomorrow on social media for sure. Is you think you can't do that at, at Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Hell yeah, you can. Because did you think, would you have thought 5 years ago, 4 years ago, 2 years ago, last year that TCU can play for the national championship after beating Michigan in the
2: playoff? TCU no. was 3 and 5 and 1 and 4 in the Big 12 when Gary Patterson was fired last year.
5: <sighs> last year?
2: And they are a, a, a relatively. And the year before team. that, they were six and four. And the year before that, they were five and seven. And the year before that, they were seven and six. You got to go back to twenty seventeen to find a double digit win season for TCU, when they went eleven and three and won the Alamo Bowl. Twenty fifteen, they were eleven and two and won the Alamo Bowl. Twenty fourteen, eh? We don't have to talk about that. That team was really stinking good that year. Really good. Was it? Trayvon Boykin was the uh, the quarterback on that team. They went twelve and one, should have been in the playoff, instead they got sent to the peach bowl. I don't remember they, they how. They showed out. up
4: I mean furious that day. You you wonder sometimes like if a team gets Ooh. snubbed how they're gonna respond. Uh, those were a bunch of angry dudes that morning.
2: Yes. Yes, they uh, they absolutely were. I, I, I saw it up close and personal. They were they were ready to go. And based on
4: the uh, actions the night before, a lot of Ole Miss players were not ready to go.
2: C-Spire text line, Max excitement makes me want to pull for TCU because I can imagine how it would be as a state fan for something like this to happen. And he's right. (laughs) It is comparable to something like that. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
0: This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
2: of the homecoming in Starkville. Chad Bumpus, most recently the wide receivers coach at the University of Utah, former standout at Mississippi State, is coming back home to be the wide receivers coach on Zach Arnett's staff at Mississippi State. I know for a fact, uh, because he thinks a lot of him, this is something that makes Brian Haydad happy. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are happy about this as well, Reputation as pretty good recruiter. Uh, reputation, if you watch the way Utah's wide receivers have performed over the last couple of seasons, as pretty good coach as well. What does this mean for Mississippi State? Hey, Dad.
1: It means you're getting a guy on staff who's passionate about Mississippi State like no other, uh, who should be able to come into the state of Mississippi and be a, a, an outstanding recruiter, a guy that you know coaches and players are going to know. Um, and who knows Mississippi State and its culture better than just about anyone? Um, I think I think you know it's interesting that state would hire a position coach before they have the offensive coordinator in place. That's that's a little odd to me, but you know coordinators don't get to make all of the decisions regarding their staffs for the most part. So I know that Bumpus wanted to be home very very badly. This this deal almost happened a season ago when uh, when Dave Nickel left Mississippi State, but they. they they, they weren't able to put it together. So finally home. Finally, it's been a long time coming for him, and uh, I I can say without any uh, any hesitation, he is excited to be back in Starville.
2: Just in case uh, you're having trouble remembering, Chad Bumpus' best year was his senior season, 2012, uh, when in 13 games he had 15 catches for 922 yards and 12 touchdowns for his career. 2270 yes, uh... yards receiving. 24 touchdowns. He also carried the ball 37 times for an average of about six yards per carry. Uh, Four years, what, three years as a starter? Did he start all four years? He started all four years.
1: That's a hell of a yards per catch, 15 catches for 900
2: yards. 58 catches. 58 catches. I said in 13 games he caught 58 balls for 922 yards.
1: Borky, what, I said? what did he say? We'll have to check the tape. Okay. I'm, I'm calling the challenge flag on this one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he said 15. I, I
4: wish, and and we can't because we play actual music if we get banned from YouTube right away, but I wish we could do what like, live streamers do on YouTube, but I could just click back like 20 seconds and
2: get an immediate replay. That mm. would be nice if I yeah, could that'd do fantastic. that. Yeah, would be fantastic. Yeah, we would be. Sorry. Well, my apologies. Well, in 13 games as a senior in 2012, he had 58 catches for 922 yards. text line yards, is backing me up. Averaging 15.9 yards per catch. There we it's go. possible that that my my mouth was just going faster than my eyes and my brain because I was looking at You're just excited bump us home. Average. I get it, man. I get it. Yeah. Right, my brother-in-law just texted me and said he heard 15. I appreciate you listening, Jake. Thanks, buck. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> siding with Borky, also you big schmuck. I no, siding with me, me
1: Borky have no. no uh, yeah, I didn't answer. No, no, no. I no, meant no, to no say, no hey, Dad,
2: everybody, what, leave me alone. What's wrong dog- with siding with me. me? Hold alone. on.
1: What is wrong with siding with me? My God, I'm a pretty
2: reasonable guy. Richard, we'll have I? a Snickers.
1: Richard, have a Snickers. Jeez. You're not yourself Don't when mean, you're hungry. You,
2: you guys do this. I'll just, I'll just sit here. <laughs>
1: Well, Borky, I'll be honest with you. Uh, this is, you know, and not the there are three hires made today, and obviously a lot more coming. But it's interesting to see how they did it. You know, with, with keeping uh, Matt Brock on staff and, and, and pumping him up to defensive coordinator. That's something that we, we knew was going to happen, and we found out that he actually called the defense on uh on uh, on Monday at the ReliaQuest Bowl. I don't know if you saw there was a funny clip from a uh, from Jet Johnson who said, "I found out in the fourth quarter." That he was calling the defense. Huh. As, it's like, it, it had been so smooth. I never, I didn't even know. I didn't even know that it was happening. And then, uh, that's a good sign, I really like right? the addition. Yes. Well, Arnett yeah. was and, signaling in the
4: plays in fairness to Jet
1: Johnson. And, exactly. Uh, and I think Brock and Arnett are really cut from the same cloth in terms of defensive philosophy. They want to be aggressive. Uh, they, they want to get after the quarterback. So I think that that's, that's an easy, easy fit. You have so many players coming back on defense, you want to keep that continuity and then Brad Peterson coming in as the uh, the associate AD for football administration. I learned something today. You can hear about this on Tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast. Mm-hmm. You can't have a chief of staff in the state of Mississippi. If you have a if you work for the state of Mississippi, nobody can be officially titled chief of staff. That's what Robbie Falk found out. I have no idea where he found that out and I have no idea why that is. But so you get labeled as the associate AD of football administration when in reality Brad Peterson will be the chief of staff.
2: I don't know, man. And, and, I don't know the answer to all levels you? of government. Yeah, apparently. So the governor is not allowed to have a chief of staff? A, a not, university not allowed to
1: have, a chief, of have staff. a chief of staff. Chief of staff. I mean, do you? we know anybody who's a chief of staff? I'm going
4: to change my title to chief of staff uh, just because. Uh, you know, fight the power.
1: Our super... Uh, our Super Talk Chief of Staff, Michael Borky. Exactly. I'm down for that. I'll, I'll introduce you that way. So,
4: a question you probably or may not be able to answer, does naming a wide receivers coach today mean that they know who the OC is going to be, or does it mean that Zach Arnett saw an opportunity to lock up this guy and the new OC better get on board because he's coming home type yeah. stuff? And what's what's real there?
1: Ar- Arnett wants to recruit Mississippi. This is a guy that helps you do that, so... He, he was going to be on whoever's staff, whoever the offensive coordinator ends up being. Chad Bumpus was always going to be a part of their plans.
2: So Kyle Stewart so, in Mark Keenum's office is special assistant to the president?
1: Is that what it Which says? Means,
2: does that mean that he is Mark Keenum's chief Might of staff? Might
1: be chief of staff. Apparently. I don't know. I don't know. We need, we need somebody. We need... Mr. Gallo, we need Gerard to dig into this and find out why we can't have Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs of staff. What is the plural of chief? Is it chief, Chiefs, Chiefs? Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's not the Chiefs. Should be the It'll, Chiefs. They don't go that route. With, the Chiefs would be better, wouldn't it? Like Coach
4: Ann's, we could just for the rest of the NFL playoffs, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs <laughs>
1: and the Chiefs. <laughs> that would be great. So, lot, anyway, Brad Peterson, chief of staff, unofficially. So, good day for Mississippi State. A lot, a lot, going, a lot going on. And, you know, those are the comings. We've got some goings to talk about, I guess, at some point with some guys hitting the portal. But Oh, now the governor has a chief of staff. Well, maybe the governor is the only one allowed to. Maybe I misunderstood what Robbie was saying. He said you're not allowed to have chief of staff, though.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay.
1: We, if you want to dig
2: deeper, we can do that. So, William Neep is, for all practical purposes, Glenn Boyce's Chief of Staff. His title is Director of External Relations and Assistant to the Chancellor for Executive Affairs at the University of Mississippi. Just call
1: him Chief of Staff. Well,
4: <laughs> we need to create yeah. our own titles. Just like that.
1: Mm. I could do that.
4: Richard Cross, the Executive Director of audio, broadcasting, in sports-related affairs at Super Talk.
1: I like it.
2: I went to governorreaves.ms.gov and his name is the only one that I can find on that website. Can't find Chief of Staff. That's not surprising. On there. Yeah.
4: Branding. We get one message, a link that has a Chief of Staff at UMMC.
2: Oh, Okay. To go back and re-listen to Shout what out Brian said.
4: Rutledge, he, you uh, you trailblazer. He was very adamant,
1: you. adamant, though. Let me text him and make it. I'll get see if I can get
2: the idea here. Brian Rutledge, PhD, Chief of Staff, Office of the Vice Chancellor for Health Affairs at UMMC. Which I mean, that would poke a hole, Borky, even in the you can't have a chief of staff at the university level. Yeah it's a university hospital could borky be Wait, well, will I'm dig, I'm digging. We'll chief know. of staff
1: I think
4: I think will, I would, like will prefer, East would
1: be a chief of staff
4: I feel I feel like will though would prefer Haydad be his chief of staff just for the trolling purposes mm. like go do I'm this his for chief me. of laugh
2: chief, yeah. Oh, yeah. somebody said chief of staff is needed about like a lobbyist oh I I kind of disagree with that I mean the chief of staff is the primary gatekeeper I mean you you can't have the person that is running your organization deal with every inquiry that comes their way. But come on, guys, you watch the West Wing, you know how important the role chief of staff is? Kind of a thankless job a lot of the time as well. Hmm. Anyway. Uh Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at Supertalk.fm. And, and that Super was talking Talk chiefs of staff. Yeah. What, uh, Dwayne and Brandon says that Dad could just be the big cheese. Cheese of staff. Austin <laughs> Thomas is chief of staff for Ole Miss football.
1: Is he officially titled chief of staff?
2: Football chief of staff. Maybe
4: the football changes things just because that's in there.
1: I got, I got, I, I, Robbie was wrong then. I think we're, we're, we're going to have to find out here.
2: Yes. Yes. Robbie Falk decidedly incorrect on tomorrow's version of thunder and lightning are you going to go back and change it or are you going to allow him to just be incorrect
1: i'm going to change i'm not going to i'm going to let him be incorrect and
2: i'm going to make sure Zach arnett hears it sports talk mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv
0: For more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally! Finally! On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm.
2: Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi. Last first hour of the show, Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad. If we are keeping a tote board of errors by me today, we're, we're about to run out of chalk. Just things coming out of my mouth that, that weren't necessarily intended. i not. Like, I got. I got bad, one. I got one on the board though. So big deal. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, After but you one, have you have mistakes, you right?
1: have a, a scapegoat. So it's true. It's true. He made me look like a fool. Did he answer you, by the way? Yeah, he said maybe he just misunderstood. Erroneous. Mm -hmm. This is what it is. Uh,
4: Okay. Um. So it's been 24 hours, by the way, since we heard, or you heard, and told us that it was 24 to 48 hours needed for a decision. Mm
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Any news? <laughs> I got another 24 hours, so I don't know. Uh, no, nah, nah, nothing new. I I, I I do know that Browse has the offer, and it's just a question of if he's going to take it or not. You know, this is the game you play with a Jimmy Sexton client. You have to uh, you got to wait things out. He's going to milk every possible second. But I also know there's a ton of wiggle room, though. I think State's offer is what it is, and it's either it's it really is kind of take it or leave it.
2: Yeah. Uh, man, we got some, some big college football news that that happened a couple of hours ago, and uh, we will get to that. My guess is that we will laugh about it. We will make some jokes. We will talk about strange bedfellows and perfect bedfellows. But uh, before we do that, let's talk a little bit more uh, about the uh, situation surrounding DeMar Hamlin. A slightly optimistic report today, Buffalo Bills uh, safety, DeMar Hamlin, remains hospitalized in critical condition in Cincinnati, but according to uh, the Buffalo Bills, showed, quote, signs of improvement. They released a statement uh, that Hamlin is, quote, expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. Jordan Rooney, who we didn't know existed prior to this, but have learned that uh, he's a friend and a marketing rep for DeMar Hamlin, told Coley Harvey of ESPN that Hamlin was still sedated uh, less than two days after he went into cardiac arrest on the field. Uh, Rooney also told Harvey that doctors saw promising readings overnight from Hamlin that they had hoped to see by Wednesday morning. So maybe a little bit ahead of schedule on that. Uh, Similar message from... DeMar Hamlin's agent, Ron Butler, delivered to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler and that the oxygen levels had improved. So all of that is good news. I know we want more news, and we want more news faster, but this is something that uh, is playing out in a very, very deliberate fashion. Zach Taylor uh, spoke today to members of the media. Zach Taylor, of course, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills and He was asked about his conversation on the field with Sean McDermott. And he says, when I got over there, the first thing he said was, I need to be at the hospital for DeMar, and I shouldn't be coaching this game. And uh, Zach Taylor talked more about the respect that he has for McDermott and how that grew, watching him kind of lead his team in that difficult uh, situation. Troy Vincent from the NFL has continued to double down on his comments that there was never any... Uh, push to restart the ball game, but Joe Buck has also said, "No, I'm not backing off what I said. That was the message that we were given." And both things can be true, right? That somebody at the NFL level gave information to ESPN that was passed along to Joe Buck that says, "Hey, they're going to have five minutes to warm up, and then the game's going to restart." even if that message didn't make it to the teams and didn't come directly from the league office? Is that where we are on this, is that all of these things can be true?
4: Yeah, I do find it interesting, though, that the NFL is calling into question the voice of one of their major, what, multi-billion dollar television partners. A little bit of clarity would probably be useful that situation, not that any of us really care. I'm going to keep watching Monday Night Football. It doesn't matter. I, lo- I I like Joe Buck. I think he is unfairly, heavily scrutinized despite being very good at his job. If you think Joe Buck is bad at his job, you think nobody is good at that job.
2: Plain and simple. You don't have to like him, but if you say he's bad, yes. you're all silly. So- ESPN issued a statement that says there was constant communication in real time between ESPN and league and game officials. As a result of that, we reported what we were told in the moment and immediately updated fans as new information was learned. This was an unprecedented, rapidly evolving circumstance. All night long, we refrained from speculation. And if you watch Scott Van Pelt, when he went to reporters outside the hospital in Cincinnati, each time he said, hey, We want to be careful to report only what we know, not what people are speculating. ESPN operated in a very careful manner on Monday night. It's a weird back and forth between the league and one of their major television partners. We'll be back.
0: More Sports Talk Mississippi, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Uh.
2: an enjoyable weekend of college football, as I think any of us could have imagined. Still kind of looking in the rearview mirror, even on this Wednesday. A few days later, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. As we begin the 4 o'clock hour with you, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bill Bender joins us from the sporting news Bill, it's like we wish we could just rewind and press play like it was happening again for the very first time. What a weekend we had with the college football playoff semifinals, with the Cotton Bowl on Monday. It was incredible.
6: Yeah, it was fun. You know, the the semifinals were as good as we've seen. I, I did make the contention. I said Michigan-TCU was the more entertaining game. It wasn't the better football game. Georgia-Ohio State, that was everything. You would want in two heavyweight teams. It was a lot of fun watching both games, um, and uh, we're right back to it, Richard. Right? Like nobody's giving TCU a chance against Georgia now.
2: You're right. I mean, a 13 point underdog. It's funny you mentioned what you you just did. Michael Borky asked us the question yesterday. We we kind of talked about it as a group. Which which game did you enjoy more? Hey, Dan and I both said TCU Michigan was the more enjoyable game. Borky said Georgia Ohio State. But but I think the the kind of line of delineation you make there is a good one. That that the first game may have been a little bit more fun, but the second game was actually probably played at a little bit higher level.
6: Well, I mean, the first one was defined by mistakes and Michigan running yeah. a goal line Billy special. It's time to retire that. Take it out of the playbook forever. The Eagles <laughs> ran it; it's done. Um, the The bad call, bad calls on Roman Wilson's touchdown. I, what are the refs looking at? That was a touchdown, and then the bad call after it when they fumble at the goal line. That changed. That sequence changed that game. It turned it into a game Michigan control, could control into a Big, Ten, Big 12 shootout that TCU was comfortable playing in. And um, I really believe that was the turning point in the entire game.
2: I certainly don't want our conversation to be about this, but as we watched football over the course of the weekend, Bill, and really going back to, to a game that I was in attendance for on Wednesday night with the, uh, the Ole Miss-Texas Tech game, I feel like we have regressed in our enforcement of the targeting rule. Like, like, I I don't even know what, like, I know what the rule says, but I don't understand what it is that replay officials are watching. What what do we do about this? Because you literally have players being ejected from games that are going to miss the first half of the season opener next year because of something that happens in a bowl game. Well, I think
6: the game flow um, targeting, game flow should not, dictate how we call targeting like and i say that in terms of marvin harrison was knocked out and that was targeting and they didn't call it and the tulane usc game i know it's inside two minutes the game's hot he that was clearly a targeting call and yes. it's become so suggest subjective i know the whole you and i watch the same thing maybe we're seeing something different but i don't I don't really think that's the case with that rule. I just don't think it's applied properly, and as far as penalizing it, I would just go yellow card, red card.
2: Yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. But there is a level of subjectivity, I guess, and maybe that's the issue because you said that was targeting on Marvin Harrison Jr., and I watched that and watched it in slow motion in real time, and I thought, no, that's a vicious hit, but it's not targeting based on the way the rule is written.
6: That's fair too. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you see it different, that's fine. But then, like, somebody has to explain to me how was he knocked out of the game with a possible concussion?
5: Yeah. you know. And
6: maybe it was. You know, that's uh, that's always my thing: is how is that not targeting if that happened? But you know, and it's and this is happening on the same week. Obviously, I mean, these are touchy things because we all everybody saw what happened with Demar Hamlin, and I'm still shaken up about that. Um, I, you know, I. I Hesitate to go too far into it, but I, you know, you're just praying for his family after that nasty hit and nasty collision, and I I still don't think we have all the details on what really happened there in terms of his medical diagnosis. You just pray for the best. You want this game to be as safe as possible.
5: You
2: absolutely do, but there's a level of physicality that's just going to exist. And the crazy thing about that play with Damar Hamlin is. That was about as innocuous as a tackle as you're going to see, right? That happens 30 times a game in every single football game that's played at every single level just like that. It's it's just awful.
6: Right, and that but that's separate from what we're talking about with the targeting hits where Absolutely. you know even at the end of the Michigan TCU game, to me that looked like targeting, but I kind of made the analogy of you call that on game point. It's kind of like the Hail Mary, where they don't really call pass interference, and that was such a desperation, dumb play at the end of the game that you're like, well, "By letter of the law, that's targeting." But are you really going to call it in that situation? It, it is something that took. If, if anything, took away from the how fantastic those games were. I think it was targeting and a couple bad calls. But that's you know, that's football,
2: Bill. No. Uh, we've still got the national championship game coming up on Monday night. But to this point, what is your favorite moment or your favorite game of this year's bowl season?
6: Oh, my alma mater winning in overtime, man. Ohio beating uh, Wyoming in the Barstool Bowl. That's an easy one. <laughs> but if you're taking me out of it, um running all over the place. Frank Gore, Jr., uh, the... Oh, the Liberty Bowl was amazing to watch. I mean, I was telling people like you got double overtime, Kansas ties the game. There's a, a grown man in a hog suit that that blocks a game tying touchdown. Um, <laughs> but the play that they ran at the end of the game, I think it was a Philly special type play. Like I said, retire that. But I love bowl season. I love every second of it, and because I know after Monday. I'm going to be depressed because we're not going to have college football all the way into August.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're missing a uh, a glaring one, an obvious one. Maybe there were just too many good moments, but uh, the Cotton Bowl kind of stands out for me as well with what Tulane was able to pull off in that last four and a half minutes against Southern Cal.
6: Well, you know, somebody may have picked USC on a weekend that Ohio <laughs> legalized sports betting on that one. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, so uh, having that that. That minus two um no but that was really cool for Willie Fritz and Tulane and then the of course the other one for those that are betters out there I didn't touch this one but um Mississippi State the way that they covered at the end and, and that tribute that they give Mike Leach like on a bounce pass fumble and they run it back and, and that was pretty cool to, that they got a win that's one of those bigger than football moments that you tend to enjoy
2: All right, so you mentioned sports gambling is now legal in the state of Ohio. I don't know if you're interested in uh, getting in on the action on the national championship game, but are you, like me, at least recreationally looking at those 13 points and going, man, that's a lot of points, especially given what we've seen from Georgia's defense in their last two outings and especially given that we've seen TCU can score.
6: Right they could get That's a lot of points to be given up in the championship game. I think this is that we're just pressing reset and not giving the horn Frogs a chance. Now, if they make it a wide-open game... I, the one thing I'm wondering, what Ohio State did very well in that game is their offensive line held up against Georgia. So, And they have two NFL tackles. Does TCU's offensive line hold up against that Georgia pass rush? Because they're going to come after them because of what the liability that the secondary has been the last two games. I think that's a huge key to the game. And then on the other end is is Georgia just going to turn around and hand it off and use that withering running game to bully the TCU. TCU answered the call against Michigan, but Georgia does kind of the same things in in different structures. But they're going to try to do the same thing to TCU. It's going to see if they can bully and push them around.
2: You've been to a lot of big sporting events, Bill. This one is not necessarily right there in your neck of the woods. Are you making the trip to uh, to Los Angeles for the championship game?
6: Yeah, I'm flying Friday out to L.A. and uh looking forward to it. I always do. It's a long flight from here, but, you know, it's worth it. And I, I'm excited to see that stadium, honestly. It looks awesome on TV. I look forward to it. You never take a chance to cover a, a college football playoff championship game for granted.
2: Yeah, I've been to a couple of them in person, and it's a different environment than a regular season game, right? I mean, oh yeah, it feels a little bit different. It's special, and you know, I mean, usually one side has more fans than the other. I assume that Georgia will have more fans than TCU, but this is kind of one of those once in a lifetime moments for TCU as well.
6: Yeah, I expect it to be fun, and like you said, it's got it's like. Kind of a Super Bowl feel to it, a corporate feel to it. Um, You know, I've been to, I think, Georgia and Alabama ones. I've been there for them to win a lot of national titles in recent years. So it'll be fun. It'll be a lot warmer. I mean, last year I was there in Indy, and all those SEC fans were bundled up. So uh, this year it should be a little bit warmer out there in L.A. Looking forward to it for sure.
2: What are you looking at, Bill, in in this game? What what gives you maybe some level of optimism that TCU can – pull this off?
6: Uh, you know, it, there's a blueprint, and it's kind of what they did against Michigan. you got to get up to a fast start. you got to hope for some turnovers. got to turn it into a wild shootout where everything can happen. And that's... Everybody's talking about these four playoff teams, and there was no defense in the semis. Well, that's... If it's like that in the championship game, that's Davers TCU. That means Max Duggan made some big plays in the passing game. One of the better deep ball quarterbacks in the country. It means that secondary, which pick, had two pick sixes against Michigan, gets Bennett a couple times, and then you make it a four quarter game, and you know how this works with the underdogs. Uh, if TCU's in a in a game in the fourth quarter, the whole country is going to be rooting for them outside of the state of Georgia. Maybe not. I don't know how I don't know how the rest of the SEC schools would handle that. I just feel like everybody else in the country would be pulling for the Horned Frogs at that point
0: talk Mississippi here we, we go super talk Mississippi mm-hmm.
2: Conversation with uh, Bill Lender from the Sporting News. Always enjoy chatting with Bill. Join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. If you've not been to that website or you are not a Farm Bureau member, give it a give it a look. Give, give it some thought. Favorites, F-A-V-E-Rates.com. You go there. And you type in your zip code, and then you simply hit the big yellow button that says get a quote. It gives you the option of getting an auto quote or a property quote, or you can get both of them. You select the county in which you live, and uh, you can either get a quote online or you can talk with a local agent. And there's a really good chance that you will know that local agent or one of those local agents. Farm Bureau has offices in all 82 counties in Mississippi. The agents and the people that work in the office, or people that you know, right? That you see at the grocery store, that you uh, you see at church, that you see at the ballpark, that you bump into when you're out and about at dinner. And so, why not go with somebody that you know? Go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. You can join us in the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at six zero one. Eight seven nine four three nine five. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borkey. I want to ask you guys the same question that I asked Bill Bender. What is your favorite moment of the football postseason to this point, of bowl season so far? Knowing that we've still got a champion to be crowned coming up on Monday night.
1: Oh goodness. The games have just been so good. Um the Liberty Bowl is for sure one. Um, it, when I saw the guy with the, the pig suit stand up in front of the camera, I may not have laughed harder this year than watching that. I've watched that clip like a hundred times.
2: Um, I think I need to go back and he's, watch he's, the Liberty Bowl. That was unfolding while we were the craziest. Yeah, hey, you were working. While we were in the pregame show and then transitioning into like the entire first quarter. So I didn't get to see any
1: of right. it. It was you wild, back. right? Go watch it. Go back and watch those highlights. It, it, for sure. You only need the um, second
4: half, though. Arkansas thoroughly dominated
1: them. Yeah. I mean, top to bottom in the first half. Well, you know, it sets the stage, though. You gotta, yeah, you got to see all the. Yeah, I got to have that that the, that backstory. That's the exposition. Uh, the Cotton Bowl, ton of fun. Both the semifinals, a lot of fun. Um, trying to think my way around some. Of, he meant, I, you know, and I forgot about it because it's been over almost a month ago now, but. USM and, and watching Frank Gore Jr. just gash that Rice defense that was fun mm-hmm. it was enjoyable, um, yeah I mean it's just been it's just been good stuff
4: the possible game winning field goal happening it's a cop out right because it was the playoff and that's the most watched game so far this year but the game winning field goal happening. Foot meets ball while midnight strikes is awesome. You can't, I mean, you can't replicate that. That is so cool for that to be how the new year was brought in. Pandemonium at 12.01 a.m. Eastern Time on New Year's Day is awesome.
2: It's hard to top that. For me, it was – we were on the show as the Cotton Bowl was coming to an end. Yeah. And you had Tulane down 15 with four and a half minutes to go. And they get a touchdown, and they go for two, and they don't make it. And then they get a safety, and then they get another touchdown, and they kick the extra point to knock off Southern Cal. And, I look, I know Southern Cal's not great defensively. I know that possibly there were some motivation issues for Southern Cal. I don't care. I refuse to allow any of TCU or uh, Tulane's moment to be stripped away from them because of a real or perceived lack of interest by the Trojans. They were wearing that uniform, their national brand, they don't show up completely. That's on them. It's not on Tulane, it's not on us. We don't have to justify it, we don't have to spin it. That was awesome to watch the way that game ended. And it felt like we were watching it with like a thousand of our closest friends, right? Yeah. With the game unfolding while we were on the air on Monday afternoon, the uh, the 2nd of January. That was really, really cool. Was that, that was winner. the moment for did,
4: me. Did he have the F word painted on his fingernails directed at Tulane like he did uh, Utah when they lost to them twice? Or is that just a uh, a thing he saves for, for conference games? Because, uh, I mean, I guess you could put... W-A-V-E on the other four fingers, so you could have the F-word on, painted on your fingernails like he does. Uh, and then the wave on the other. I don't know. I was not aware of this. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, Caleb Williams um, a- at least when they played Utah in the Pac-12 championship game in UCLA had F-word yeah, on the yeah, four yeah, fingers I, I, and I, then UCLA on his, painted on his fingernails. And the same thing for Utah. And, you know, here's another old man yells
2: at cloud take. Wait, were they, like, written on with a Sharpie? Or do you think no, he like, went to a No, it's part of, like,
4: an NIL deal. It. It's an NIL thing, I think. I think he Was, gets like, paid. on nails or something? To, I, I don't know. But I, I know that they are painted on his nails, whether he spends time on it to make it very obvious and, like, color-coded or, or somebody else does. But what frustrates me about college football media sometimes is – Everything that happens in college football is good. Right? Like, I'm pro-Portal because regular students can transfer and all that stuff. I'm pro-NIL because I'm a capitalist. I am a principled capitalist, and adults should be allowed to use their own name to make money. But when that kind of stuff is praised, we lose the plot. There there, there has to be some semblance of sportsmanship in class. And people make fun of the word classy because losing fans... You know, Somebody goes to a game in Fayetteville and they come home and they get on Facebook and they rant about how Arkansas fans are the least classy fans they've ever been around and it's kind of a punchline. But whoever is advising Caleb Williams to put F-Utah, F-UCLA on his fingernails when he's playing a game is misguided. I think that crap doesn't belong in college football or any sport. And if that were my kid, I would be embarrassed Conduct yourself better than that, man. I mean, when did we lose the plot on just basic sportsmanship?
2: He says he he DK Metcalf this to honor started his death. mother. That, that's not. See, you, you can. His mom was his wait, wait, inspiration. Wait. She's been doing nails since I could remember. She's always done it. I think she was probably like fourteen. She's always done it. So that was a little time before I was born, and so ever since I was born, she's been doing it. I would always sit around or just, you know, either I'm playing my game or I'll mess with my mom. I still mess with my mom a lot. So I was playing my game, messing so, with my mom, so, and kind of just sitting there, she'd always do my nails.
1: So to honor his mother, he just puts the F-bomb on his uh, his hands? I'm pretty sure that my, that is the opposite of how my mom would like to be honored. i just be, be honest with you. Yeah. See, it, it, that, but
4: that kind of stuff gets encouraged. And, and people like me who say this are, oh, you're just... And, and you know, accusations get levied and, and stuff like that. I think it's garbage. And that shouldn't be allowed. And Lincoln Riley shouldn't allow it. Position, I, I, I could not imagine. If Jackson Dart or Will Rogers put that on their hands... I would be embarrassed. It would be embarrassed to cover that and not call it what it is. It's crap.
3: <sighs>
4: and I get, look, they talk, they use that language. High school coaches use that language towards me. They talk to each other like that on the field. I understand it. And I'm not a big think about the kids guy. But you know there's some 8 or 9-year-old USC fan that lives in Pasadena or whatever. Who loves Caleb Williams and sees that and thinks that's cool, and that's not cool.
2: I agree with everything you're saying, Borky, but I'm just hung up on something else, and I'm like not trying to be weird or hung up on. It. I mean, do whatever you want to do, but the most gifted quarterback in college football paints his nails. They appeal, appear to be, you know, well manicured, groomed. I mean, I, I, they're far prettier than I mean, than my nails. But a lot, of, a lot of college. Me. I mean, catchers do it. Yes, but that serves a purpose for catchers. They put like white highlighter or white finger polish so a pitcher can better see the signals.
1: I'm just saying, painted nails are painted nails. Who cares?
2: I don't. I don't care if you do it or don't. But that is function. This is about form, right? Hmm. That's not odd to you? No. Kids today, man. It's not odd to you that college football players, some. Uh, okay. I mean, maybe I'm being stereotypical and insensitive. Forgive me. That's that's really odd to me. But whatever works for you c text line is open at 601-879-4395. Love to uh, hear from you if you want to be a part of the conversation. There is something that happened on ESPN yesterday that in a million years I would have not believed happened. We'll tell you what it was when we come back.
0: You're number one for Sports Talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk, Mississippi.
2: Part of MEC Capital Day tomorrow as state leaders and legislators meet to discuss the 2023 legislative session. Super Talk Mississippi will be there with the Gallo Show in middays with Gerard Gibbert to tell you about the important legislative topics impacting our state. To register for MEC's Capital Day, go to MEC.MS. That's MEC.MS. Hey, Dad. Dwayne and Brandon Wants to know if you will be on the radio tonight. Thunder and lightning on the radio. It's Wednesday. I'm here. Yeah. So, yeah, Dwayne. Thunder and lightning on the radio coming up tonight, 6 o'clock, immediately following Sports Talk Mississippi. So, I said this before the break. Never in a million years did I think, that I would see something that happened on ESPN. Uh, NFL Live, hosted by Laura Rutledge, with Marcus Spears and Dan Orlovsky. And I'm just going to play this without comment. It's about a minute and a half. And we will talk about it afterward.
5: well like... This is a little bit different. I heard, I've heard it all day. Like thoughts and prayers, and you just heard Sheriff and Jonathan Allen say, like all we can do is pray for him. And I've heard the Buffalo Bills organization say that we believe in prayer. And maybe this is not the right thing to do, but I want. It's just on my heart that I want to pray for him. It is. Lamar Hamlin, right now, um, I'm going to do it out loud. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to bow my head, and I'm just going to pray for him. Um, God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe. That your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad. We're angry, um, and we want answers. But some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you, and pray for strength for Demar, for healing for Demar, for comfort for Demar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. Um, I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up DeMar Hamlin's name and your name. Amen. 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 So that was Dan Orlovsky
2: on the set of NFL Live during the show on ESPN. Uh Looking at the responses to some of the tweets, the reactions are all over the place, as you would expect them to be, right? You you, you had people who said it's one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. You had people who said that's not the right time or the right place. You had people who immediately called him a pagan or a Pharisee for praying publicly and doing it for people to see. I I didn't get that impression from Dan Orlovsky at all. It, It felt more like he got it's pretty courageous to do that, and, and he kind of prefaced it by saying, Look, I, I know this isn't what we normally do. That's just not something that I thought that I would see or hear on ESPN. And if you hadn't seen it or heard it, I wanted you to. That was I thought that was pretty powerful. Any thoughts, guys? And 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 look, what if you don't want to talk about it? That's fine too. And no, I if do. It, if it made you uncomfortable, and I think it probably did make some people uncomfortable, I, that that's. I mean, I'm not judging any reaction from this, but I thought that because this happened very publicly, this was something that we should talk about because it's not something that is mainstream media. Uh, for sure.
4: Uh, no, I've thought about it a lot and and read some similar comments. To you and and what I have a hard time figuring out and engaging with some of these people it would would be silly because I wouldn't get anywhere. But I wonder the, the people that say things like "What a waste of time!" That doesn't do anything. Those kind of people, or that's not the time and place. It, if that if your opinion is prayer doesn't work, God's not real. If that's your opinion, what is the harm in somebody? That believes otherwise, doing something that they think works. What what is the harm in that? What what is the offense in that? What what is the what is wrong with that time and place? Dan Orlovsky believes what, what I do, and it it took me thirty years to get to that point that it works for. For whatever reason, it's not like Dan Orlovsky doing that is going to fix him. That's not what it's about at all. But where is the harm? And then I saw some people say things like, well, you guys would, not us, but you would be outraged if it was a Muslim that it uh, was on ESPN that engaged in Muslim prayer. I wouldn't. If, if he sat there, you wouldn't, maybe some but people would, but, but I, I certainly wouldn't. Millions would be. Yeah. Because if, if a Muslim man sat there and prayed for the safety of an athlete, I would say that's great, awesome, because you sitting there believe that that works and good. I I, I will never criticize somebody for doing something that they believe is right or a kind gesture. Whether or not you believe in the existence of who Dan Orlovsky prayed to, or anybody prayed to in a moment like that, criticizing somebody for doing something like that is is a foreign idea to my mind. I I, I simply do not understand it. Because rehashing over and over and over again on ESPN, it's sad, this is terrible, hopefully he gets better. I I, I can't wrap my mind around the criticism of, of that action. I really can't.
2: Hey, Dad, any reaction from
1: you? One of the things that it, it doesn't bother me at all, you know, I, I'm a, I pray myself, but I certainly understand that there there are going to be people who are offended by that or bothered by that, and I, I disagree with Borky. Well, I mean, not, I'm not saying – I don't disagree with Borky. If Borky is saying he wouldn't be offended, uh, I believe him. I'm, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with him there. But I just know that if, yeah, if Mahmoud Abdul-Roof was on that panel – and decided he was going to lift up a prayer to Allah in that moment, there would have been a mass outrage from people that would be still going on today.
2: There are a lot of people that had not heard of that as it pertains to Dan Orlovsky. Everyone would have heard about that in, in your scenario just a moment ago.
1: Yeah. It would have been blown up out of. Fox News would still be talking about it.
2: Yeah. Um,. I'll admit this. I remember growing, not admit, just thinking about how to present this. I remember growing up when we would eat at a restaurant with my grandparents. We would say a prayer before the meal. And I remember that being a little uncomfortable. And look, I was a kid that grew up going to church three times a week. It was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And yet, for whatever reason... As a kid, it was like you were almost kind of like glancing around as, as somebody looking at us. But now, our family does that regardless of where we are and I hope that my kids don't and won't ever feel uncomfortable because that's the way they've grown up and you learn that that's really not offensive to most. Um, I, I don't know. This, the, when I saw that and, and listened to it for the very first time, I was just struck that I felt like that was a courageous moment from uh, from Dan Orlovsky. And, and, guys, I don't know if you – I'm not speaking for you, but when I see the constant, whether on Twitter or Facebook or people shortening the phrase thoughts and prayers, you've seen this before, to like hashtag T's and P's because they're too lazy to type out thoughts and prayers. I can't help but wonder, is that what you're saying because you have nothing else to say or are you legitimately stopping to offer a prayer yeah. for whatever it is you you are recognizing needs your thoughts and prayers.
1: I, I believe the Anthony Juselnik theory on thoughts and prayers, which is when someone goes on social media and is like, I want to offer my thoughts and prayers, what they're saying is, hey, don't forget about me. I'm sad. I'm sad this happened. That's 90% of it, I think.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, nailed it on that one. What, what, did, what did he say? All your all, a lot of these people, not
1: all of these people, but
4: all they're saying is, "Don't forget about me today."
1: Yeah, that's all they're saying. Yeah. And when you you change your Facebook profile picture and put a little little thing over it that says "I support whatever,"
2: do you? And 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 some do, and for some it's genuine, but for a lot it's because that's what everybody else is doing. So I tip my cap to uh, to Dan Orlovsky. Uh, for uh, for that moment yesterday on NFL Live Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll wrap up the four o'clock hour next with you. It's
0: time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. <laughs>
2: Four o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. All right, guys, we managed, we have managed to go an hour and 53 minutes, I guess actually an hour and 47 minutes into this program today. A day that follows a day that included basketball games for two SEC teams. In the state of Mississippi, we've managed not to mention either of those games for an hour and 47 minutes. You ready for a dad joke? How can you call them basketball games when
4: neither team could actually put the ball in the basket?
2: I hear you, dad joke. Uh, We'll spend a little more time on this in the 5 o'clock hour, but we we got the college football fix to start things off. I sent hate out a text message as I was driving home after the show last night, and it simply said, ouch. And he responded, what's wrong? He had not gotten home yet, and he did not have the radio on. I was listening to Neil Price and Richard Williams, and, uh, well, I bounced back and forth between that and Bob Kessling and Camp. Bert and he started that game leading 16 to nothing. That was the ouch. And then, hey, Dad, finally got around to responding to my message. He's like, ooh. Yeah. Who who is the uh, Tennessee color guy? Bert Bertelkamp. What a great day. Bert Bertelkamp. Yeah, I think that's right. Bert Bertelkamp. (laughs) I mean, now you've got me, like, questioning myself, and I'm Googling it, but I, Bert, Bertel, yeah, Bert Bertelkamp. Played basketball in Tennessee, and he is the longtime radio analyst, radio color analyst on the ball uh, the Network, alongside Bob Kessling. Burt Burtelkamp.
5: Burt good. <laughs>
2: it's just the guy's name. But his name is Burt Burt.
5: Hey, man. Hey, man.
1: My, my name's Brian You, you Ron, didn't hey realize that, that we hey are, that. are hey continuing I, I, I
2: to... <laughs> We are continuing to avoid talking about the actual games. That would be like if your name was Richard Richardson. Yeah. Or friend of the program, Harry Harrison. Yeah. Which our former colleague, uh, Brian Scott Rippey, used to call Harrison Harrison. (laughs) It was funny when it happened. Bert Bertelkamp.
4: Yeah. Love it. Great name. And that's a name that you've got to say. You, you can't just call him Bert or Mister Bertelcamp. It's Bert Bertelkamp.
1: Or Bertelcamp. That's. Bert I mean, if my Bertelkamp, last name was Dickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Michael hey, man, I thought I'd get more of a reaction from you on that. Wow. I didn't have know an old you. neighbor I'm, named I Harry try- Self. <laughs> did you know? I did.
1: We could a like success. success. old Harry self, huh?
2: <laughs> Somebody says, that's Eddie and Grenada. He says, wasn't he on Fraggle Rock? <laughs> <laughs> oh, James, in, uh, James in Hattiesburg says, that doesn't hold a candle to Jim Bob Cooter.
4: Where is old Jim Bob now? He's still with the Lions, isn't he? No, oh, he's, he's with the, the Jags now. Passing game coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jim Bob Cooter. That's correct. Yep. Yeah. He's from Fayetteville, Tennessee, which is a town of six thousand. So,
2: Dwayne says Borky Borkmeyer. Yeah. 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 Um. Bork. Borkle Camp. he <laughs> never really let up in the game. They, they jumped out to a sixteen to nothing lead. Are oh, we're still talking then, about that. And then they extended it from there.
5: Yeah, it wasn't it was, like it, it was sixty to
2: nothing, and then it was all square the rest of the way. They went by thirty four.
1: Yeah. We, we, we saw what happened when Mississippi State's defense doesn't show up. They they, they certainly don't have the offensive firepower to, to go toe to toe. They have to be able to to make games ugly, and when they can't, that's what you are going to see. They
4: went the first eight and, minutes without a
2: bucket, though. And 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 by the <laughs> way, in the interest of being fair and balanced, hold shot. from three last night in Tuscaloosa. They were two of
4: 24. And some of those were open looks. You know, I'm going to be critical. It's fine. It's warranted. Um, When the conversation after the game is about, you know, just had open looks, just got to make more shots, you have a team filled with guys that don't make shots. Last night was especially bad. They can shoot better than that. But for years now, you haven't had good shooters. After going 4-14 and in the league, we talked about it. They have to get shooters. Ah, oh, well, there's no shooters in the portal. Mid-majors get shooters. Low-majors get shooters. That's a bad excuse. You have a basketball team filled with guys that cannot make shots consistently, You shouldn't be surprised when they don't make shots consistently, even open ones. You have bad shooters. Bad shooters don't make shots. One plus one
1: equals two. Take the under Saturday. I was
2: thinking about that last night. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
0: More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now.
2: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, they got a little bit of everything. Don't believe me? Just check out their website, pearlriverresort.com. Whether you're looking for great restaurants, gaming, live entertainment, golf, a really cool water park, they got it all. Pearlriverresort.com. Go there, you can plan your trip, book your rooms. Make your plans and you will have yourself a grand time. If you want to be a part of the conversation, the ceasefire text line is open at 601 879 4395. I am angry. It's Michael Borky's fault that I'm angry. Because he, Michael Borky, has linked a tweet that contains information that makes me angry as it pertains to the college football playoff national championship game. So it's Michael Borky's fault, and I'm going to let you be angry with me. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. You won't be angry if you drive a Ford, I promise. F-150, 45 straight years of the best-selling trucks in America. You know what that means? People aren't angry about Ford. They're happy. 45 straight years. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. A message. Parking at SoFi Stadium. We're talking about college football. Ingrained in the fabric of college football is the pregame party. It's tailgating. On-site parking for the 2023 College Football National Championship will be very limited with a select number of $75 digital permits for automobiles and $200 for buses plus processing fees. Parking permits will be available for purchase beginning Thursday, December 1st by visiting parkwiz.com. Small print, RVs, recreational vehicles, will not be allowed to park at SoFi Stadium for the 2023 National Championship game. Tailgating will not be allowed in any SoFi Stadium parking lot. What? You should forfeit your right to ever host another National Championship game of college football... What do you mean you can't tailgate in the parking lot of a football stadium? That you pay $75 in which to park? What what are we doing here? Help me understand the rationale, please.
1: No, no, there's none of that. There is no rationale. There's nothing rational about this. This is anti-American, all right? What should we expect from a bunch of people in California to not understand there you go. The hey, Dad, American traditions? I appreciate right, your political
2: stance there
1: On this matter they are wrong they're wrong they should be this is this is silly Georgia this is Georgian TCU Georgia and Texas two two states that understand football better than almost anybody you' going to tell the people they can't grill what is there to eat? What do they just want you to show up ten minutes before the game and get in the stadium?
2: Come, Come on inside and have a tofu dog.
1: Come pay twenty seven bucks for a bag of popcorn and twenty five. I'm sorry, forty five for a beer. God forbid you bring your own. <sighs> Seriously, though, I mean, you know, people
4: are talking about it on social media as you know, it's a it's a crime, and honestly, I agree. By having it in that stadium, a very nice multi-billion dollar stadium. For for people that hate capitalism in Los Angeles, they sure love to capitalize on capitalism in Los Angeles, don't they? Uh, But the multi-billion dollar stadium apparently is stunning and awesome and corporate. When, When you're having the college football national championship game and nothing feels like college football. You're losing the plot. Obviously, it's a made-for-TV event. I-, I get it. I understand it. But the people there still need to be accommodated as well. It's the pinnacle of the sport. And it's not going to be recognizable. It's going to feel, for the people there, like an NFL game, except for they can tailgate at NFL games. But that's what it's, it's going to feel like a corporate thing instead of a college football game. And that stinks for the people there and for the sport itself the best of it should be put on display, and it should feel like the best of it.
2: Not By the way, no tailgating. it's a super cool-looking stadium. I mean, it, it looks phenomenal. Beautiful. Corporate. I don't even know that it but. would feel corporate on the inside. But let the people have some brats and some beers yes. in the parking lot if they are so inclined. Although there's not Come on, much man. parking available. This is-
1: this Texas and Georgia, we're talking pork butts and brisket here. What are we doing?
2: Yeah, well, it's just
1: come out like bratwurst. <laughs> kind of rolled off the. Top. I'm not even a huge bratwurst guy. I just 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 say. Let uh, them have their pulp sausage. Yes. Let them eat. This is one of those things where if if I am if I'm, if I'm uh, on the committees of whatever decides who gets these games, I'm coming back the next time they bid me like. If you don't allow tailgating, we're not coming. We 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 don't we don't need you. We can play at other stadiums. Uh, but if, if our fans can't tailgate then we're not doing this.
2: I have been to two uh, national championship games in the college football playoff era. Uh, that's not right. That's right. One of them was a BCS game and one was a uh, national cha- the college football playoff. So I saw Alabama play LSU in the Superdome, and then I saw LSU play Clemson in the Superdome. There was tailgating outside of the building,
1: <laughs> and that's in the middle of the city. You yes, know? this is a stadium that's outside the city. There's huge parking lots. How can there not be tailgating?
2: No, I no sense. I don't know. Anyway, it's there's not. There is. Uh, there absolutely is not. Um, so that's our perhaps. I want to thank Norky, by the way,
1: to thank him because I saw this and I was like. I almost said it to him, and I was like, "No, he he knows. He he knows that this is a topic that I'll get riled up about. So he'll he'll bring it to the show." Thank you, Michael Borky.
2: Wait, what did I do? You brought this topic to the show. Yeah, but appreciate That's it. what I do every day. He is a purveyor of fine topics. Uh Spar text line. I can't stand watching a game at SoFi Stadium because they tore down the old Hollywood Park racetrack to build it. Okay. I'm sorry
1: that that was taken from your life.
2: Rationale is they knew Georgia Nation would get drunk and then there would be grown men walking around California barking at people. It's probably going to happen regardless. I think they just wanted to charge the Georgia people for now, the consumption yeah. of those. No, beverages. tailgating
1: doesn't mean I can't walk around with my flask of Jim Beam. It just means I can't cook. Yes. Now you got people drunk on an empty stomach.
2: Exacerbating the problem, Brian Hayden says that makes it worse. Hey, uh, Jimbo added to his staff today, boys. <laughs> Why is it always the places <laughs> that scream about
4: how they do it the right way that hire the biggest pieces uh, of garbage? Why is it?
1: Uh. Boy, they they just love some controversy in College Station. They they want it. They crave it.
2: I mean, if. No. If if you've missed the news, Bobby Petrino has been hired as the new offensive coordinator and will handle play calling responsibilities for the fight in Texas Aggies starting in football season twenty twenty three. Jimbo decided it's it's just too many papers. I've got to delegate the notebook without a binder ring, to someone else, Bobby Petrino and Jimbo Fisher working together. How about that?
4: Hmm. So, despite him being a garbage human and being in that culture, despite being a, who he is, which is just so funny with the way they talk about the class ring and the honor code and all that stuff to have Bobby Petrino on their payroll is just chef's kiss, just mwah, perfect. Uh, it perfectly encapsulates the ridiculousness of college football. You have this, these people that think that they are just different and better and special, and they hire Bobby Petrino. If Jimbo Fisher is honest, though, or, or, or holds true to his word, and Bobby Petrino has full autonomy... Complete and total uninterrupted autonomy. It's not good for the rest of the SEC West. That dude can call offense. Look at what his he used Missouri, to be able to anyway. Look at what his Missouri State team did in Fayetteville, though. He can still call offense. I don't think Jimbo's going to give him full uninterrupted autonomy, and I think it's going to end up being a disaster.
1: And then we're going to end up with Texas AM interim head coach Bobby Petrino. Yes.
2: Mm. That's your college football fix <laughs> driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. More with you when we come back.
0: What do they want? Exciting news.
6: Brace yourself.
0: More Sports Talk, Mississippi. Now.
3: Now.
2: I guess this is kind of a public service announcement. Um, If you got caught up in the Southwest travel mess, there are, I think you have like financial recourse. And so you should, uh, don't just chalk it up to it was a disaster, but uh, check into the things that, uh, that you need to do. So a bunch of stories out there form
1: of Cross, Borky, and Haydad. <laughs> Is that the plan? <laughs> we, we're going to represent these people in the class action suit.
2: Yeah, my my friend that sent me this, um, William sent this to me, and and he said he was getting ready to apply for recompense.
4: <laughs> yeah, did you see how Southwest tried to offer like a bunch of? Points or whatever, as uh, we're sorry, and everybody was like, "Nah, not enough."
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, like I said yesterday, in the coming weeks, there are going to be some really cheap flights available for, for via Southwest. Man, I,
4: there was a guy in front of me on a flight or, or trying to board a flight a few years ago that is the world's most confident man. So. We boarded the plane. I was if I remember correctly I was flying home from Detroit where I connected to Ohio after my uncle's funeral. And we got stuck in Detroit. Boarded the plane, something was wrong with the plane, had to deboard the plane. Couldn't take off. And they were able to rather quickly kind of divide us up, but they were offering like compensation for your inconvenience. And so there was a flight leaving Detroit, which was ours. They had another plane for us basically ready to go. It was Delta, happened pretty quick. They were impressive, honestly, in that moment. Mm -hmm. But they had to get some people to wait hours, like nine hours for the next plane that that they could get on. The guy standing directly in front of me was offered like a first-class upgrade to take the late flight. He said no like, no, it's not enough. Then he was offered like, I think it was like $700 worth of credits to another flight. Nope. Not going to do it. He kept saying no until they offered him almost $2,000 cash to go on the the next plane. And then when it was my turn, we're all good. Got the the right number of people. You can go ahead and board now. I was so mad because I would have waited. I had nowhere to be. But this guy, nope, not enough. Yeah, but, nope, but would you enough. have gone as far as he did? No, I well after hearing him, then yes, That's because then I would have been confident enough to know that you can do that. I would have just taken the first class upgrade and been happy, you know, drinking a uh,
1: yeah. cheap beer a and eating peanuts all it's on a
4: more comfortable seat. But now I know for the future if they offer you something, nope, not good keep enough. Keep driving it up. I, I want to say Drive it was like eighteen fifty, like one thousand eight hundred fifty dollars or something to take a flight. Almost yeah. nine hours later, couldn't leave the airport. I mean, I guess he could have, but. I would have done that in a heartbeat.
2: I was it's so impressed. There are are you, I've only done there it once or, twi- uh, once or twice, but w- as they've, like, escalated the offer to move to a different, like, usually I'm trying to get somewhere in a hurry, but, like, it was there was a particular day where I was not in any hurry at all, and I was like, I don't know, I took, like, a $600 travel voucher and got put on, you know, a flight that was two hours later or something like that. I was like, yeah, I'll do that. Worth it. Yeah. Yeah, worth it. Uh, uh, yeah. So there, there's if you go to Southwest website, if you were impacted by a flight cancellation or significant delay between December 24th and January 2nd, you may sit, uh, submit receipts. Let's see here, uh, expense reimbursement request form. We will honor reasonable requests for reimbursement for meals, hotel accommodations, and alternate transportation. For example, rental cars and tickets on other airlines. That probably better be a liberal approval policy. <laughs> They better not be saying just a whole lot of no's yeah. on that. Mm. Like, Well, we would have approved your stay at the uh, Motel 7, but because you stayed at the Ritz-Carlton, sorry. No, that's not going to work like that, that. You're going to pay for my accommodations, period. Oh, don't worry. We'll bail them out later
1: anyway. They can give people
2: whatever they <laughs> exactly. want. Exactly.
1: We'll they'll be getting another seven billion from the government soon enough. Don't worry about it.
2: Too big to fail, right? Oh, of course,
4: I'm too big to Some fail. Some people, evidently, I'm gonna start telling people. I wish uh, I.
1: How much more weight do I have to gain before I'm too big to fail? I don't know. Speaking of failure, or fall, eh. or fall. I haven't fall. I I fell. Uh, I slipped in my 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 carport like two months ago.
2: My carport gets super slick.
1: You make splits, it out okay?
0: Outside.
2: Yeah, it's fine. I, I, obviously, I did. I'm sitting right here. I don't know. Maybe that's just one of those things where you wouldn't like own up to it. What, like, like I, I mean, I was, I was in pain for like a day. I, I fell on my right. wrist and it hurt. oh, oh. Have you ever had the smooth fall in the carport, like straight onto your tailbone? No,
1: thankfully not. That hurts that would, that would so sleep. bad
2: did that on the top of
4: stairs once in my first apartment when it, like, year one into working here. That was the only day I've ever, on the day of, like, called in sick, but I wasn't sick. It was one of those days where it got really, really cold, like, below freezing, but we didn't Mm -hmm. get any precipitation or anything. So I get up, get ready, walk out my apartment door, I'm on the second floor, and I guess... Some moisture came off the roof and hit the top step. And I step, and my foot comes out from under me because I slipped on ice that had formed. And I rip my pants from back all the way up to front, rip them completely, land nice. on my back That on my the fabric
1: rips. Oh, man. Oh, you know it, too. And You're like, oh, that's the rip.
4: My my elbow caught me, and I swear I broke something because I, I couldn't really move it, and it was purple and swollen for like two weeks. But I just picked up the phone and called my boss at the time, who's no longer here, and I said, "I'm not, I, I'm not coming in today. I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow." Basically, I, I I had to restart my day. Like I went back inside, I took a shower, mm-hmm. like considered going to the yeah. doctor, but kept my elbow in a um, yeah, like one of those ice buckets that you have like in a little mini bar. Put yeah. my elbow in one of those and just sat for the rest of the day and watched TV. <laughs> I just I could not work the day after that. I was so ashamed I, that I called in sick.
1: I did I did hit my tailbone. It was not in my carport. It was right here at the studio. You might remember this when we had the giant ice storm last a couple years. Oh, ago. Oh, when you walked I to know, work. I walked to work. Had no issues walking to work. Got to work, no problem. And then. Finished the show, walked out the door, and the welcome mat, which was wet, now was frozen, and I hit that thing. And I just whoop, and went bum over tea kettle, and when uh, land, I landed right on right on my day, yeah, and uh I, the next two days, Will was like, "Are you coming to the show?" I was like, "No." Not until I can drive. <laughs> and by Thursday he was like, You gotta go up there. Because uh, I think you were out or Somebody was out and he's like, We just can't have one guy and I was like, Alright, I'll go. <laughs> and I, I didn't think I walked all the way up here. I didn't slip the second time, thankfully.
2: Do <laughs> you know what I'd pay for a video? Because I could see it like I could just see me just going straight up, boom. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't around, like, with it. I just, remember did, did just thinking, you like, you to be kidding up, me? Or were you like yeah, angry. pretty much.
1: Oh, I had that moment of anger. Where I was like, I walked. You know, it's it's probably a mile. It's not far, but you know, over ice when you don't have snowshoes or a tauntaun, <laughs> so it's a problem. Yeah, I'm just like shoes. one step at a time. Yeah, one step at a time. And so I got here. I you know crossed you know a major thoroughfare to do that, and I st- I got here. And it was no problem. But the walk walk out one step and it's an issue.
2: If- if you ever walk to work again, can we put a GoPro on you just in case? I mean, if, you,
1: if we have if someone wants to get me a GoPro, sure. Do you
2: not have a friend that had a vehicle with, with four-wheel drive or, you know, larger than your car that would have been happy to give you a lift? Huh?
1: Like, not in the neighborhood. So, I mean, i have been, been tough to get on the 12 and everything else. So, yeah, no. mm mm-hmm.
2: So much so that you're like, I can't make it to the office. Well, you made it yesterday. And it's and it's worse today.
1: It's worse today. It was, it was, it was. My apologies for laughing at you so. You know, I don't that mind you laughing ago. at me, but for, but for the future reference, I do mind when you make me sound like I'm a, uh, like a, a deranged rhinoceros when I think when I laugh at something. All right, you you made me sound like like a hippopotamus in heat. Like, like, can we, do we have that sound
2: on clip? <laughs> That's what you made me sound like. If if you don't know what we're talking about, Mac Engel was on with us at the very beginning of the show today, and he was talking about coaches leaving. We were it was a reference to Chris Del Conte leaving to go to Texas, and you know he's like TCU fans kind of understood. He said it's not like when that. Criminal Tuberville. <laughs> I was waiting to see who he was going to say too. I was like,
1: this "And he had goes. Hay-Nab Hay-Nab goes <laughs> I just laughed. I laughed like I normally do. No, you didn't. And you make you me didn't. sound like that. No, it
2: was like you were like afraid to laugh out loud into the mic because he didn't even know you were like there. Like a there. polar
1: bear in heat is what that sounds like. My God,
2: <laughs> Keith and JS is hippo in heat. Loretta at West Point says, I don't really think that Richard is sorry for laughing. He's not sorry. We'll be back.
0: Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Of spending in baseball continues. Red Sox paying Raphael Devers uh, three hundred thirty-one million dollar extension for eleven years. Whew. I mean, it. Hit, what was it a couple oh. of years ago where everybody was complaining about nobody spending any money? And boy, have they spent it this year?
1: They they had it to spend after after giving Mookie Betts nothing. Yeah. Yeah had it laying around. The Giants were close to spending a lot of money several times, weren't they? they? They wanted to spend money. They wanted to do it, and nobody would take their money. It's yes. just crazy. Yeah,
2: well,
1: don't everybody wants to live The Correa God's thing way. looks like it, it it was smart now, I guess. I suppose.
2: Um, Sports Talk Mississippi. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Thanks for being with us. Uh... I, I am holding two numbers below the screen. one number represents the Mississippi state game the other number represents the Ole Miss game what I don't even know I'm flipping a coin whatever so yeah, one and two, my first and thought was gonna get? be
4: you were gonna do the uh, the score differential but you need like 10
2: sets of hands to here hold on I, I, I got a that. quarter I got a quarter. <laughs> Heads is the state Tennessee game. Tails is the Ole Miss Alabama game. We'll start. We'll we'll decide which debacle to discuss first. Tails never fails. It, it was tails. He, I, I dropped he, this, it. This. You me do it again. This is this is not your best day.
1: Reflip. This is not your best day.
2: Reflip. Here we he go. Dropped it again. Flip it over. It is once again tails. All right. Uh... I mentioned two of 24. I don't, I don't know if numbers are the way to do this. Ole Miss shot 35% from the field, 8% from behind the arc. They only turned it over 13 times, but Alabama only had seven turnovers. Nine assists on 24 made baskets. Rebels out-rebounded the Tide, had a lot more opportunities, but hey, there's that. I mean... Uh... They got
4: beat 84-62. It wasn't that close. That's closer than the game actually was. It it is. I mean, mean, Alabama, somewhat of a curve this game in isolation needs to be graded on. Because Alabama is really good. They're one of, if not the best team in the SEC. Chance to make a deep run, possibly title contender, with at least one lottery pick on it. A guy that's six foot nine that can run and shoot, who's long and and all of that. So that is true, but but even despite scoring sixty four points, which is an accomplishment for this team, Ole Miss offensively r- remains a disaster. They're a disaster offensively,
2: and and their uh, best offensive player can't hit the broad side of a barn right now.
4: Right, and and Ruffin's not anywhere close to, to being 100% and ready to go. And had a bad shooting night last night. An uncharacteristically bad shooting night for a team that is bad at shooting. I mean, it was especially awful. Kermit Davis was right when he said after the game they missed open looks. They had open looks that they usually make more of than they did last night. That's true. It's true.
2: When you shoot 8%, they're they're better than that. But they are, but they also had 11 minutes when they didn't score in their first SEC game against Tennessee. Guess what? There were some open looks in there as well. Exactly,
4: and they were down 21 to nothing to UCF and lost to North Alabama. But I, I think this was sent to me earlier today. This is—it's not related to this game, but I think it—it it says a lot about Ole Miss in offensive basketball. Jar- Jarkel Joyner transferred to NC State. He's averaging 16 points per game on 45 percent shooting. Luis Rodriguez is at UNLV, 13 points per game on 48% shooting. Austin Crowley's at Southern Miss, 17 points per game on 49% shooting. KJ Buffin is with Andy Kennedy at UAB, 11 points per game on 58% shooting. Blake Henson's at Pittsburgh, 17 points per game on 48% shooting. Sean Robinson's averaging 15-4 and four at Austin P. So Ole Miss's players get better at scoring after they leave the program,
2: I had neither seen that nor heard that. That's pretty damning. That is wow. that. It, what, I, that I, was rough. Yeah. Wow.
1: Wow. Whew.
4: So y- y- you hate to talk like that, right? Be, y- y- that's a, fans don't like this kind of conversation, but that says a lot. When, when, when people counter, th- this is when people say things like, until NIL for Ole Miss basketball gets better, nothing's going to change. Here's my counter to that that statement implies that everything is being maximized, that the team is as good as it possibly can be. And the only limitation is they don't have players that are good enough to go to the next level. That this team, this roster, is being maximized. They are playing as good as they possibly could play. The only thing they're lacking is players. And that is inaccurate. That is, that is incorrect. This is not a team that is, that is maximized. As you can see by the numbers of players that have left, clearly something is up with their inability to score the basketball that is not just an NIL problem.
2: Let me get a message on C Spire that says you guys have got to realize that Tennessee and Alabama are probably going to be Final Four teams. That's from Pete. It's Um, North Alabama. Yeah, look, I mean, tough scheduling draw for for Mississippi State to draw Alabama at home and then at Tennessee and for Ole Miss to draw Tennessee at home and then go to Alabama. I'll give you that. Tough scheduling draw. And... Ole Miss was close and competitive against Tennessee and non-competitive against Alabama. And Mississippi State was fairly competitive against Alabama, ends up being a double-digit loss, and then non-competitive last night. The difference in how the programs feel right now is Mississippi State was a top twenty-five team's first-year head coach, some excitement for the first time in a while, and they have a great crowd on Saturday. I don't think. Last night affected by twelve people, the attendance for Saturday's game against Ole Miss for Mississippi State. Now Agreed. If, if that doesn't go well, if Ole Miss were to walk into Humphrey Coliseum and win by thirteen on Saturday, yeah, okay, maybe some of the interest drops off a little bit. But again, you get the bump from a first year head coach, and there's some excitement, some buy-in right there, and they like people like the way this team has played really, really hard. It wins some games. But it's a you're in a different place, right? In, in Mississippi State basketball right now than you are in Ole Miss basketball. If Ben Howland was still there and last night had happened on the heels of what had Alabama had happened, oh. I mean it'd be tor- torches and pitchforks mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit yeah. of a transition from that Ole Miss game to the Mississippi State game. I mean, State got absolutely drilled last night. Vascovy had a huge night for, uh, for Tennessee. He's a really good player. We talked about him on the show yesterday. 14 points, but it was just like right out of the gate. It was like boom, boom, boom in the first 10 minutes of the game. Um, Josiah Jordan-James pl- ended up playing 17 minutes. Talked about him some yesterday. Hey, Dad was yesterday days old when he realized that Tennessee had a player named Josiah Jordan James. Um, mm-hmm. Four of Tennessee's starters scored in double figures. Off the bench, and Ziegler they, they, played 24 minutes with 11 points and 10 assists. He's so good.
1: They shot 69.2 percent from
2: the field. It, it was it was the fourth highest single game shooting percentage in Tennessee basketball history. Yeah.
1: So State's defense didn't show up, and offensively they just don't have anything. They didn't get much from Tolu Smith again last night. They missed 10 free throws. Not that it makes a huge difference, but you need to be making Ooh. free throws. It's going to make Seven a difference at some point. Yeah, no, It already I mean, made a difference. I, I, I want to know two things statistically. I wish I, We need somebody at the SEC to tell me. I want to know if State's 36 free throw attempts against Alabama is the most ever in a loss because it feels high. And then I want to know if Tennessee's three free-throw attempts is maybe the least ever in a win. They were three of three from the line. Oh, wow. So I just, you know, I knew. I knew only I, for ten I, I, fouls in the entire game. Yeah, and only turned the ball over 12 times. They just couldn't make shots. They just couldn't make shots. We talked about this a little bit, you know, when State was, was playing so well. We said, you know, what's going to happen when they play teams that are just better? And they have better shooters, better athletes. We're starting to see a little bit of that. But that being said, there are still teams in the SEC that aren't very good. And we'll see if, you know, where State stacks up amongst them when they play Ole Miss. If they can beat Ole Miss, then you, know, you feel like, okay, they can beat Georgia, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. They can get some wins. If they can't beat Ole Miss, well, then it's going to be a really long conference slate. for, for these, these next few months are going to drag in Starkville.
2: It is almost impossible right now, maybe completely impossible, but certainly almost impossible to find anyone that is excited about Ole Miss basketball. And that is a bad, bad place to be two games into your conference slate. But it's the truth. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back.
0: Sports Talk Mississippi, here's more (laughs) Super Talk Mississippi.
2: Talk Mississippi one last time on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. You can always join us on the C Spire text line. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Find them online at genteelapparel.com. You can also find them in men's stores across the state of Mississippi, like the Country Gentleman in Greenville, Chandelure Outfitters in Ocean Springs, Kincaid's Fine Clothing in Ridgeland, Reeds in Starkville, and Randy Price and Company in Hattiesburg. If you haven't given Genteel a try, you should do so. Maybe you've, if you wear golf shirts a lot, maybe you've tried other brands of golf shirts and you found some that you like. Just give these a try. They, they, they feel great. The collars are outstanding. Uh, they don't flop and flail on you. Uh, they, they fit right. They're not too snug, but they're not too big either. They're just the right fit. And uh, it's worth a test drive, right? Uh, Check them out online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Any other thoughts on the hoops thing? We got Mississippi State and Ole Miss on Saturday, 1 o'clock on CBS at uh, Humphrey Coliseum. Isn't that right, 1 o'clock tip? 2. 2? 2 o'clock tip.
1: I am. Al- I'm almost positive. You, you, you've made me doubt myself. Uh, I
4: mean, Kermit Davis needs to win this one. One o'clock. As I said,
1: <laughs> you have to.
4: You have to. Have to win. Have to.
1: And for Chris Jans, I mean, it's not. It's not half to win. It really no. isn't. But.
3: It make
1: It just make yourself it's more. You, you, the 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 past few years of of Howland losing this first game to Ole Miss, it just it just poisons the next few weeks for you. And you want to keep your support. You want to keep everybody happy. You need to get this win. And and this is not a good Ole Miss team. You're playing them at home. Should have a good crowd. There's no reason to lose. But take the under whatever it is.
2: Borky, you, you laid out those shooting numbers for guys that have, have transferred away. A friend sent me a message. It says, the reason I can't make a putt under pressure is I never practice making putts under pressure. Ole Miss doesn't repetitively practice shooting under pressure. Individually or collectively. I I mean, look, I'm just going to be honest, right? I I feel like I do this every time we have this difficult conversation. It's hard to talk about Kermit Davis and this coaching staff and this program and what they're doing because I like Kermit Davis. I'll just just be completely honest with you. I bought season basketball tickets this year for one reason and one reason only. It wasn't because I thought the product on the floor was going to be great. It was to support Kermit Davis because I felt like this was going to be a difficult year for them. But also what I do for a living is talk about What's happening in the state of Mississippi? It's what we do. It's sometimes uncomfortable to have this conversation. Something is wrong. Is it the way they're practicing? Is it the way they're teaching? It can't, it, it, it can't always just be, oh, well, the players aren't good. There's talent on that roster. There has been talent on that roster and you illustrated it just a second ago when, when, when you talked about Jarkel Joyner and K.J. Buffin and who were the others? Luis Rodriguez. Blake Hinson. Blake Hinson's having an
4: especially good year on a good team.
2: And that's a good Pittsburgh team that last
4: night beat Virginia at home. They had 17 on 49% from the field or something like
2: that. Whatever. Look, This staff understood that this was an important year. So I don't know if it means that there's too much focus on defense and practice, or they're not going about it the right way, or what, but it's not working. No. They've progressed <laughs> significantly as a program in four years. And it's kind of been a little bit more each season. And again, I mean, you got people. You you can't find very many people that are remotely interested in Ole Miss basketball at this point. And that's not to say you can't change. But two games into your conference season, and honestly, the loss to North Alabama took whatever oomph there was before you played your first SEC game. You're like. Okay. It's a tough deal, man. It's a really tough deal. Thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow. At Sports Talk, Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Good night.